Today we're just uh, finishing uh, the, the end of a short series where we've been speaking into um, our uh, vision. Um, uh, but actually what we've been speaking into is the key pillars of that vision, not the vision itself. God in his grace and mercy through our faithfulness and us going deeper with him rather than trying to go faster. He will show us the way to any vision that we might have. And so that's why we've been focusing on um, preaching and teaching about discipleship, Christian outreach, Christian service. And today, and I know it's not more important because it's all equal in God's presence, but this one feels to me really, really important. Grace and gentleness. Um, Grace and gentleness. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word gentleness. What images come to mind now, I wonder, when you think of the word gentleness? And gentleness doesn't seem very fashionable today. Instead, golly, isn't the news just hard work sometimes? Instead, we have aggressive, confrontational, tribal, megaphone pronouncing and judging, whether from political leadership aggressive press, or from you and I slipping into the habits of this continuous barrage of everyday communication and having a point of view on everything, on social media, where somehow a speak now and think later mentality takes hold in everyday life. It's frighteningly common and prevalent. And I find myself slipping in to that narrative because it's just all around us the whole time, isn't it? Charles Wesley wrote the hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And what has, I wonder, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild got to say to families, community, church, national, local and international life today? Well, I would suggest a huge amount. Indeed, I would suggest that gentle Jesus has everything to say into today's world, into our national, international, and our Christian church life too. That is why it is absolutely right that grace and gentleness becomes one of those pillars that holds up the vision of St. Matthew's Bristol one of those crucial lenses through which we look at everything that we do as Christian people, individually in our daily lives and together corporately, as we seek to discover what it means to be a church that is welcoming, vibrant and serving the community, a witness to God's love in action. Francis de Sales was a 17th century Swiss priest And he became noted for his deep faith in Jesus and his gentle approach to the religious divisions in his land which resulted from the divisions of the Reformation period. And Francis de Sales said, amongst many things, he said, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. Nothing is so strong as gentleness. Nothing so gentle 
as real strength. In his own wonderful, warm and all-encompassing and embracing welcome and invitation to you and I, Jesus says himself in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what does it mean for a community like St. Matthew's Bristol to seek to be a community of grace and gentleness? Well, to become a community of grace and gentleness is at the core of who we are as Christians. And it is at the heart of our journey of faith. It is the heart of our response to the great commandment and the great commission. And the great commandment, remember, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And to love your neighbour as yourself. And the great commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. To become a community of grace and gentleness is at the heart of the journey of faith in responding to the great commandment and the great commission. Gentleness does not equate to weakness. It does not equate to weakness. But gentleness is in fact an expression, an outworking of God's grace. Grace in the Bible is seen as a gift of God. And we experience, you and I experience God's grace because God himself is utterly gracious. Forgive the pronunciation, you Hebrew and Greek scholars here, but grace in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word chana, or the Greek word charis. And that means the state of kindness and favour towards someone, often with a focus on a benefit given to the object. A state of kindness and favour towards someone for their benefit. Grace is what God is and does. In creation, in his provision, in his gift of salvation for you and I, in his equipping the church through the Holy Spirit, in his eternal promise of all that he has prepared for us, both now and for all eternity, all for our benefit. And not because he owes us anything at all. In fact, exactly the opposite. But it is because this is who God is. So, with the same mind of Christ and with the same love as Christ. Remember those words from this first few verses of Philippians 2 that we looked at a few couple of weeks ago? With the same mind as Christ and with the same love as Christ. To be a community of grace is all about how you and I choose to use the godly strength and power that we have and we are given in a compassionate way for the benefit of others, always. This is exactly what God does in and through Jesus Christ. Not condemning us. And when I look back on my life, I realise how entitled he is to do that, and I'm sure it's the same for everybody. 
This is exactly what God does in and through Jesus Christ, not condemning us as he's entitled to do, and from the power of his position as God Almighty, but in dying for us, in forgiving us, and in loving us. And God does that with utter gentleness. I wonder if you can think of a time when someone treated you with gentleness. Tenderly. Kindly. Calmly. It may have been through gentle, kind words. It might have been through the simple act of touch at a moment when you needed that loving. It might have been just someone sitting quietly with you. Can you think of a time when someone treated you with gentleness? In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, if anyone thinks that Christians regard unchastity, what he means by that is sexual sin, if anyone thinks that Christians regard unchastity as a supreme vice, he is quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are the least bad of all sins. All the worst pleasures are purely spiritual, says C.S. Lewis. The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, of bossing, of patronising, of spoiling sport and backbiting, the pleasures of power and of hatred. In our passage, Jesus is full of the grace of God. He is gentle, he is kind, he is non-judgmental, he is steady, and he is calm. As he confronts a group of very, very self-righteous people. And it's salutary, isn't it, to read this? Because when we stop to listen, we can perhaps hear ourselves in those voices of the accusers of that woman. And the judgmentalism of daily life, joining in with a tabloid-type narrative of quick condemnation. And their self-righteousness in this passage gives them a sense of moral and spiritual superiority over this woman. They really feel that they are above her. They also think that they have Jesus utterly trapped. Because, of course, he must agree with them. If he disagreed, Jesus would actually be contradicting the law in Leviticus, they thought. And they were also seeing Jesus in a very unkind way as a friend of sinners, spending his time not with those of note in the community and in society, but with those struggling and on the margins. Jesus' reply is calm, gentle, measured, and kind. As he took his time, he wrote something in the sand. We don't know what this was, and there isn't time this morning for us to speculate around that. But Jesus clearly didn't rush to indignation. He didn't rush to spurt out the first thing from his mouth that came into his head. And then, after a few moments, when demanding questions kept coming at him, they kept on coming, 
Jesus calmly stood up and said, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. They weren't, and they didn't. We aren't. The self-righteous were left stunned and confused, and they drifted away. And Jesus' gentleness and overwhelming grace is made complete in his own lack of condemnation for this woman. In the courtroom of public opinion today, the woman would be well and truly judged and hung out to dry by everyone. But Jesus dismisses the jury and as the only person with the complete right to judge, he also dismisses the case against this woman too. The grace and gentleness of God. How beautiful is this? How utterly beautiful. This is how lives are really transformed for the better. It's not saying here, of course, that we can do anything we like and it's all okay. Yes, God does require we acknowledge our wrongdoing and our sinfulness. And when we do that, forgiveness comes. God knows our hearts. God knows my heart and he knows your heart. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, People may think all their ways are right. But the Lord weighs the heart. Jesus knew this woman's heart. A heart changed by grace and gentleness to go and live a new life, a new way. And we too, the Church of Christ, the family of Jesus Christ, how wonderful is that to be called children of God? We too, the family of Christ, the children of God, can, against the habits of the world, choose grace instead of condemnation. In other words, we can choose day by day to use the power we have in any situation to respond with gentleness like Christ. We can, intu- we can choose to embrace Jesus so deeply that we become a community of God's grace and gentleness too, in how we behave to each other, in giving witness to Jesus in our daily lives, to anyone who crosses the threshold of this church, for all we encounter day by day. We want the body of Christ, we want the church of Christ to be a sanctuary, a holy space, safe, Secure and full of gentleness and kindness and God's grace. Becoming closer disciples of Jesus Christ, getting to know him more and more, following him more and more in our lives, in encouraging others to follow him and loving as he loves us, we can be that serving community where all ages, stages and backgrounds know real welcome, And real love. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, 
is a 14-verse hymn. I've chosen it for today. No, I haven't. (laughs) I've not chosen it for today. But the second last verse reads as follows. Loving Jesus, gentle lamb, in thy gracious hands I am. Make me, Saviour, what thou art. Live thyself within my heart. This is a great, great prayer for a Christian community of God's grace and gentleness. Let's just have a moment's quiet to respond to the word of God and to just gather the thoughts that might come into our heads now. We think on what God might be saying to us this morning. Amen.